genre. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Return of the King, one return of Gorbag at a time. I'm Norman Mitchell. <laughs> we'll never be rid of him. Right. Welcome to Return of the Gorbag. <laughs> I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And today we're talking about Minute 182, which starts with the camera panning up the Tower of Kirithungal and ends with Sam saying, begging your pardon, but they haven't. He's so... Cute. I love Sam so Sam, much. Sam is just the best. Oh the my god. Boy. What a what a wholesome bean. But uh I guess the the first note I have here is that this the miniature of Kirithangal is twelve feet tall. That's is, ridiculous. Which is pretty big. Yeah. Certainly among the smaller of the quote unquote miniatures, yes. Yeah. 12 feet is, is pretty small for some of the stuff they make. Yeah, because the Baradur one's like, what, like 25 feet tall or something like yeah, that? Yeah, and it's supposed, to, the scale of it, it's supposed to be, it's ridiculous. like, absurd. Yeah. Like, over a thousand feet high, like, some absurd height. But the, yeah, this this little scene here, we, we go up the tower, we check back in with Frodo, just kind of shivering in this, this room well i mean he's trying to get out of his ropes he's struggling and then gorbag returns how how did the two people who instigated this fight how did both of them survive right gorbag was gorbag was kicked down that hole yeah he was in the middle of the brawl with everybody he drop kicked a guy out a guy out a window yeah and he got all the way back up here, and he doesn't really look hurt. He uh, he looks a little hurt. He's he his, limps um, a little. His his face is all messed up. He's highly motivated by spite. Yes, he is. He calls what's he call Frodo a dung filled rat. I don't have it in front of me, but. Yeah, that sounds on brand which for is, Gorebag. Yeah, which dude. Is... Okay, your name is Gorebag. I. Right, exactly. I'm going to bleed you like a stuck pig. And then, whoop, not if I bleed you first. Not if I stick not you if first. Not if I stick you first. Yeah. Then he pushes him off. Just like, what a badass moment for Sam to oh have. Oh my god. And he rises up behind this orc. I do like the, the thing that Sting stops glowing as soon as Gorbag is dead. Yes. They didn't forget. It's there. It, it pokes through him glowing and then he pulls it out and it's not. What is a dunghill rat? Oh, you dunghill rat. That doesn't make as much sense as a dung-filled rat. That's, <laughs> that's, I don't know. Like a rat that hangs out with poop? I guess. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. That's the line. Weird. Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's a, that's a weird one. But yeah, Gore, Gorebag gets killed by Sam. Mm-hmm. And Shagrat gets away, but never to be seen again. It's kind of, um, like, it is very heroic, but it's also, like, a very, like, viscerally gruesome death. Like, we we see it from Frodo's point of view, but, like, dude, Sam, like, stuck this this sword through this guy. Yeah. 
he snuck up on him. Yeah. And stabbed him from the back through the chest. Like center mast, right in the middle of his yeah. sternum. Yeah. Straight through. I like his expression as he's watching this sword come what? through his chest. Like, oh god. He re- he kind of reaches for it with one hand. Yeah. He's just shocked that it's there. Um, if it was the other way, it reminds me of <laughs> if the the handle was coming out of his chest instead of the 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 point. It reminds me of like Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> yeah. Which is it's itself is probably a reference to Revolutionary Girl. Oh, probably. It's probably where they got the it's idea probably, for the sword. I mean, video game or anime. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, Scott Pilgrim's more video game than, I mean, whatever. It's yeah, but the pulling the sword out of the chest thing, yeah. based on some emotional state, is, like, straight out of Utna. Mm. Especially the last season. That's where Steven Universe got that, like, explicitly, right? Yeah, uh, Rose Quartz's sword is straight up just a thicker, bladed version of Utna's sword of the... What is it? The, the Sword of Dios from Revolutionary Galuna. You're a big heckin' weeb, you know I, that? Absolutely. <laughs> also, Revolutionary Galuna is great. <laughs> but yeah, Gorbag gets stabbed through the chest. He's just like, what is this? And he gets pushed off of it by Sam. And Frodo is so happy that Sam is there. Mm-hmm. And then immediately is just like, but the ring is gone. Well, I- I'm glad you're here, but it's too late. Yeah, I mean, like... He he sees Sam. He's happy to see Sam. He apologizes to Sam. And then he's like, you know, the whole reason that we're in this terrible place to begin with. Like, I, I messed up. Like, I lost it. It's gone. Yeah. I don't have it anymore. Begging your pardon, but Sam. they haven't. Yep, begging your pardon. Oh, my God. I love him. In the book up to this point, I I can't remember... Uh, explicitly whether or not Sam is wearing a ring around his neck, but I think he is. Mm. I think he has it on the chain around his neck. Uh, he might He might even put it on. Does he put it on? I don't think so. He... To try to get past the Watchers? Oh. He should know better. I think he does. I'd have to go look. They kind of mention it in the commentary, and they're just like, but that's a, that takes all the tension out of the ring at this point in the journey. Yeah. And, like, I'd have to go look to see more explicitly whether or not, that, like, that's the case. It seems like maybe he does get past the Watchers. Like, that feels right when I say it out loud. Yeah. But, ultimately, it doesn't work. He has to just push through them. Right. And the ring tempts him. Ooh. Ooh. But, so, Sam Sam says to Frodo at the end of this minute, begging your pardon, but they haven't. Mm-hmm. And he just... It's just said in such a way that's just... Well, it's so earnest. Yeah, it's, and, it's, and, like, he's so happy to see Frodo. And, mm-hmm. like, he's happy to see that Frodo's alive. Like, Frodo is freaking out and Sam is just like, okay, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Beg- no, it, it it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> just like when, when someone is, is freaking out, but you know what they're freaking out about is something you've already solved. Like, that's exactly <laughs> the, the expression and the mannerism that Sam has <laughs> in this minute. It's so sweet. I love them. <laughs> Someone's freaking out, freaking out, like on the phone with you. Oh my god! Like, they they haven't picked up dinner yet, or the dishes need to be done, and you're just like, yeah, yeah, no, I already took care of that. Aw, aw, adorbs. That's like the same energy that <laughs> Sam has when he delivers that line at the end of this minute. It's also a good minute break. It, it doesn't yes. doesn't mess anything up. Yeah, I'm glad that the line didn't get cut off. I'd be so mm. mad. Doesn't mess anything up. It doesn't it doesn't shift tone randomly at the end of the the end of the minute. Mm-hmm. It's a good minute break. One of the good ones. The 
there's there's not a whole lot going on in the scene, but in the in the cast commentary, Sean Astin made me laugh because he talks about how uh, a lot of times in movies, especially when it comes to like the the director of photography or whatever, they pay really close attention to uh, how they frame lighting in the scenes that they're filming, mm-hmm. and he he's he starts kind of like laughing in the commentary. He's just like, but there's this, just this kind of spotlight on Frodo where he's lit differently than everything else in the room. So I leaned over to Andrew Lesney and I asked him, "Where's the where's the light come from?" And Stone and Sean Essen says, "In Stoneface, he just leaned over me and said, same place as the music." <laughs> Which is a good. That's so funny to me. That is really funny. It's a good joke. <laughs> just the same place as the music. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. You ask a silly question. I mean, like, I. You should never ask the director of photography that. Light lighting. Lighting in movies is tricky. Yeah, lighting anyway. is one thing, um, but I don't know. It's it's because it's all about like the language of film, you know. Like, yeah, there are places where it's okay to bend the rule about whether or not you should try to frame things where it's clear where the light's coming from yeah. inside your frame. Yeah. Like um, there, there's, you know, sometimes horror movies are super guilty of it mm. because the the framing of how you want to light tense scenes in a horror movie just creates situations where lighting doesn't make sense Yeah, if you really pick it apart. Especially with how the, the sharp divides between light and dark areas in, like, tense scenes. Mm-hmm. Which is not an easy thing to do. No. Toss a coin to your lighting your lighting technician. <laughs> I um I mean, more than one, like pay them. Well yeah. <laughs> no, I know. Um I um I also like the idea of of Frodo being illuminated more um because like Sam is just so happy to see him. Yeah. Also without the ring on his person. Yes, like that's a, true. There's a meta sense to it, too. Yeah. He's not as weighed he's down, not, so he's yeah. more full of life. Yeah. There's a lot of things to read into there. Because mm. there is light in this room. Right. Um, but Frodo is lit slightly differently from everything else. Yeah. Which I think is... It works. It works. Yeah. Um, it's also... It's pretty subtle. It's not something that I pick up on no, no. super easily. But he is lit a little bit differently than everything else in the room. Yeah. Well, you want your main character to stand out. Yeah. We get a good look at some of the... We get a, a look at the scars on the front of Frodo's chest. Yeah. The, the... mortal scar is... Looks to be roughly in the same place. <laughs> that one moves around a little bit. Uh-huh. The the one on his other side, his right side, I guess, um, has to be the the yeah. stinger. I wonder if they... If they just hadn't planned on how they were going to do the visual effect for She Loves Probably. Him yet. Probably. So they had they did make up for this and they just they just did the thing. They're just like, ah, oh, this looks good, right? It's going to be just, you know, fairly high up. She Loves going to come down, sting him. Yeah, we'll just pick a place. It's fine. Yeah. No one's ever going to pick it apart like this. <laughs> no one's ever going to notice. Who in their right minds would watch this movie one minute at a time? Right? <laughs> Who would ever comb through a movie that closely? Come on. <laughs> And then they released the first movie Nerds. in theaters, and people were like, there's a car there. Yeah. <laughs> You're making a movie for nerds. Yeah, they're going to go over with a fine-tooth comb. <laughs> but yeah, I, 
I, at some point, I think it would be fun, but kind of hard to go back and track the placement of the Morgulblade scar on Frodo every time we see it, mm. because I don't think it's very consistent. That's funny. We can do that when we do our inevitable... Um, Watch party. Rewatch commentary recording. Yeah. Because it, it, like, it changes color. I uh-huh. think it changes location. Yes. Whether or not it's near his armpit or near the top of his shoulder yes. or further into his chest. Yes. But that's fine. Whatever. Yeah. It's the spirit of the thing. I mean... It's a haunted it, sword. I think that it moves around. It's a haunted scar. It's, it's haunted by the ghost of a blade. Yeah. Ooh, spooky. Um, I don't know. It's just one of those things that I just find kind of funny. But I, it, it's forgivable when you think about the filming schedule of these movies. Absolutely, yeah. You never know when a scene was done unless they tell you. Mm-hmm. I think they I think they state that most of the Keir Thunkel stuff was done uh, in principle, at least in this uh, scene up here in the tower. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know about the fight down below. That would probably was done during principle, but I guess they did uh they did redo all the dialogue in the scene with these two uh in ADR because they wanted to change the tone of the scene from this point forward. Mm. So they redid all of it in ADR. Interesting. Yeah. So the performance on the day was a lot more uh frantic uh, or a lot more uh earnest and less tense than the delivery we get in the final product of the movie mm. after this. Which is interesting to me. Yeah, that is. Because yeah. I think it's pretty, like, earnest. Yeah. Like, up to this point, I guess it's pretty much the same. Oh, okay. And oh, then, and tomorrow. And then once we shift into the stuff tomorrow, it starts to be different than how they had initially uh, said their lines on set. Mm. And some other stuff that I'll, I'll point out tomorrow. I mean, that's a good segue. Yeah. So, we're from the website DuelingGenre.com. You can check out some non-Movies by Minutes podcasts. If you head to the site, like the Protagonist Podcast, Doctor's Companion, you can also check out uh, the audio dramas on the site, uh, Geek by Night and Immunities. One's about superheroes that run a comic shop, or wannabe superheroes that run a comic shop. No, there's, they're, they're, they're geeks that run a, a comic shop, and they also have superpowers. Yeah. Get the pitch right, Norman. Okay. And <laughs> Immunities, which is a, an alien body, body snatcher audio drama. Yes. That has a real spooky trailer. Check it out. Mm -mm. And we'll be back tomorrow to talk about Minute 183. Bye. Bye.